And we are live, episode 18, Business and Buckets. Near the 20 mark, we're, we're, we're pumping out content. Hope you guys are enjoying the weekly business episode or uh, sports episode of Business and Buckets. Obviously, business has nothing to do with sports. So next week, I will also be launching the monthly business episode. Actually, with an entrepreneur that I met, my barber, Percy the Barber. I have been looking for a good haircut place in Seattle, especially in West Seattle. I kept getting my hair messed up and uh, randomly came across this guy. Seemed like he had a pretty cool experience, so was able to set it up. And we just kind of clicked it, clicked right off the bat, talking about entrepreneurship, just talking about life. And I felt like I was having a podcast while I was in there. And I was like, hey, man, like, just start my podcast up. I'd love to have you be a part of it. So we got Percy the Barber talking about his experience coming at you next week as, as well as episode 20, the weekly sports episode. But before we jump in, let's talk fueled supplements. Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you wake up feeling groggy or not feeling like you've even rested? Do you toss and turn all night? I know that I have problems sleeping majority of the time. If so, it's time to get knocked out by fueled supplements. It's back and the market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula knocked out is now in stock with the facelift, two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. Experience an unreal night's rest with an all-in sleep formula, superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. Fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling more refreshed. Regulate depressive and sedative actions critical for relaxation and decreases stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset. It also increases growth, growth hormone production. Two delicious flavors to suit your taste buds. Watch your sleep improve, mood improve, productivity improve, and your life improved with Knockout. Save some cash while you go to FueledSupplements.com and use my promotion code BUCKETS for 20% off. And you can purchase at FueledSupplements.com. I share my links uh, or share their link to the website pretty much in all my socials and YouTube. So please check them out. Uh, I can't ex- stress how much, impo- how important sleep is, uh, especially as you know, a, a young entrepreneur does, that's hustling and working in sales. I got to get my rest, especially as I get older. I've realized how important it is. Great supplement to to assist you in those areas. <laughs> but let's talk sports. So, um, <laughs> I had actually gone to Scottsdale this past weekend. I wanted a little vacation, get a taste of real life, what it's like without masks and COVID and everything else. And holy cow, man, first time being in Scottsdale as an adult. It's like Vegas out there, women everywhere, uh, everyone having a good time. It was like 95 degrees, which at first I thought I'd just be dead out there. But because of the dry desert heat, it was actually not that bad. And then everywhere has shade and misters. You know, I got a little bit of a tan, but not much because we're, we're mostly in the shade. Um, but I was able to catch uh, a, a Reds versus Diamondbacks baseball game, a Wizards versus Suns basketball game. And just had uh, met some cool people. I had a good group of guys that went. It was it was a blast. But a little late on the podcast this week, uh, it kind of wrecked me. I don't think I've done a vacation where I've been drunk like the whole time. Highly don't recommend that. You know, wish I didn't get too turned up that much. Had a <laughs> had to recover. You know, getting older like it, it impacted me pretty. A couple days pretty good. I had no energy whatsoever. Uh, but vacations like that, it's more fun when you're more aware, you're more alert, you have better memories because you're not so turned up. But regardless, crazy vacation, had a lot of fun, excited to come to you guys. This is Thursday today. I'm recording this and, and bring to you guys business and buckets. And then we'll have a short turnaround next week and, and, and have that launched on Wednesday. 
as well as business episode, um, I think it's like four, but episode 19 with Percy the Barber. Let's talk NFL. So free agency is still happening. The draft's right around the corner. 18 of the top 100 free agents are, are available still. And we talked about last week, most of them being over the age 30. You know, these are like 32, 33-year-old individuals that have proven and have a great, have proven themselves and have a great track record. But um, I assume these guys will mostly sign after the draft unless there's very specific needs and fits and they're willing to take pay cuts. And outside of that, you know, obviously football's not happening. College football's not happening yet. Uh, but the big thing this year is quarterback movements and quarterbacks in the drafts. Uh, in this year's draft, I had talked last week how I ranked this year's rookie quarterbacks. The big news, I thought Deshaun Watson was going to get out of, out of Houston. Obviously, there was all these cases of um, Deshaun Watson, you know, basically getting massage and, and, and doing things the wrong way there. And women have actually come out and sued him now, and they've actually put their names out public. So initially, when you see, you know, 22 cases, there's, where there's smoke, there's fire, absolutely. But when you're a professional athlete, people come at you, try to get your money. He had shown a message of a woman asking for $30,000 to not say anything. But when they're bringing their name out publicly, that's just a whole nother level. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, do, I doubt he gets traded at this point. To, to clear the legalities on this, his cases are going to be going for a long time. But with the seriousness of this, I'm not sure if he's going to play. Um, so brutal for, for Deshaun Watson. I'm interested to see what happens here. Um, but... With the NFL draft around the corner, uh, you know we we got some some fun football things going on. People are doing like their third, fourth mock draft. Uh, teams are have have done a lot of trades and moving up and down in the draft. So super excited for that. I know for me as a Steelers fan, if we're kind of doing one last hurrah for Ben Roethlisberger, we got to really nail this draft. And there's a lot of talent out there. And how about Julie, Julian Edelman officially retiring? Um, I believe the Patriots were going to release him. He just wanted to call it quits. Uh, it can't be easy playing there without Tom Brady and, and what they went through last year. But there was a conversation online about, is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? And for me, immediately, I was like, okay, wait, are you kidding me? Looked up some stats, saw some people tweeting some stats about this. The reason I don't think that it's even a close conversation is if Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne are still outside the Hall of Fame, how in the hell do you put Julian Edelman in? Obviously, he's won championships. He's had some clutch performances like that Falcons comeback. He had that crazy third down catch that really you know, helped them win that game. Uh, but you look at career stats. I, I saw a beat writer tweet. He has similar career stats to Emmanuel Sanders. You know, I'm a Steelers fan. Obviously, Emmanuel is from there. Uh, he's had a good career, but like those aren't Hall of Fame type receivers. So I just think it's kind of bonkers that that, that was part of the conversation. Uh, that, it must just be because he was part of the Patriots and all those championships. And then James Conner, uh, a noteworthy free agent signing, signing to the Arizona Cardinals. They love signing ex-Steelers. Bruce Arians uh, had, had a fingerprint there before he went to Tampa Bay. Uh, but he had a one-year, $1.5 million contract. I think it's like 500000 guaranteed. Awesome contract. Um, I think it was just a time for him to move on with the Steelers and the Steelers to move on from him with his injuries. They need a stable running back because they had one of the worst running games. I think he could be a great running back by committee. They have Chase Edmonds and some other pieces there. Um, but I would have almost you know, love to see him stay in Pittsburgh. He's got an awesome story for the $1.5 So uh, happy that he is still playing. I was a little nervous with the tough market on running backs if he was going to get a job or not. That's it for NFL. Obviously, that will we'll get deeper and deeper as the season progresses. Once the schedule comes out, we'll talk big games. Once uh, it's closer to the season, I'll do my season predictions, which I, I, I love to do. 
and um, you know, so on and so forth. But at this moment, there is a lot happening in the MMA world. If you remember, we did have a couple week break, which I feel lost a little bit without fights on Saturday. And um, there was a fight card this Saturday. I even did my best to watch majority of the fights on vacation, even though it was a little crazy, as I've mentioned. Um, but before we talk about last week or this Saturday's fight card, last Saturday and this upcoming one, a few noteworthy uh, news points here. Jan Blakovich officially booked versus Glover Teixeira. Obviously, we expected this to happen. Crazy to think Glover Teixeira at 41 years old is finally fighting for a title. Um, in the UFC, I see a lot of these young guys versus the old guys. It's crazy how well these guys can perform at top level at the age they're at. Jan Blakovich isn't a spring chicken either. Uh, but I think this is going to be an interesting fight. What a crazy story it would be if Glover Teixeira was a light heavyweight champion of the world. And then there's news of a potential boxing bout, which would host or which would face off against Eddie Alvarez and Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya been out of the game for a long time. Obviously, there's a lot of these draws and, and, and things like the Jake Paul draw that's making a ton of money. So I'm sure that interests both parties. Eddie Alvarez, we'll talk about the one on TNT. Uh, he, had, he had gotten DQ'd in his last fight, so I'm sure he's trying to get some money, get things going for him. Uh, if he can get it, why not? Why not take it? Dustin Poirier, Poirier versus Conor McGregor really got interesting. I saw the beginning of this before I left to Scottsdale. Obviously, didn't really pay attention to my phone as I was busy partying. Um, so I missed a lot of the majority of this Twitter beef. And then sitting in the airport, I looked at the updates and I was like, holy cow, this is pretty crazy. And at the moment, uh, Conor McGregor said the, the fight's off. Like, I'm, I don't want to fight anymore. Like, good luck with your career because you just, you know try to fight me and you don't want the title. Now you don't get the title. Now you don't get your payday, but we'll, we'll kind of go through this Twitter beef. If you guys haven't seen it, it's one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. So how it exactly started, I'm not sure. Um, something about Conor McGregor saying he's going to whoop, whoop Dustin Poirier's ass. And Dustin Poirier is pretty active on Twitter as well. Uh, sometimes he'll just go through the fans and talk shit or, or, or just say what's up. Uh, but Dustin said, that's a fun prediction, Connor. You also predicted a donation to my foundation and you and your team stopped responding after the fight in January. See you soon. July 10th paid in full. So as a Dustin fan, you know, I'm like, damn, that's pretty crazy. And Connor talks a lot of shit, so he deserves it. But when it comes to celebrities, you get, you start talking about money or something that could really hurt their resume. Like that's going to make somebody snap because you're kind of rubbing their name in mud. Why don't you do that behind the scenes, work with your agents, whatever, and um, Connor said, my team does their due diligence to make sure every donation meets the mark. My generosity is known. You will pay with your brain for this attempt at smearing my name. Shooting ass, shelling ass, bitch. Little bitch kicks from a shell. Good luck when you're caught, you're fucked. And then Dustin replied, 100% never a, de a debt. You offered, we accepted. And like I said, your team never responded to our emails regarding the process of where funds would be put to work. July 10th, you will taste my defeat yet again. Um, well, that was a reply to Connor saying a donation, not a debt. We've been awaiting the plans for the money that never came. I do do with all my donations, know where it's going to, to go dot for dot. Otherwise it goes walking as in the case with a lot of these foundations. Sadly, you took McGregor over the belt shows. I was right. So he's saying, Hey, you know, if we're going to do a, a, a charity money, I think it was $500,000. We want to know exactly where it's going to, which is great. You know, it's a business move. He obviously has a shit ton of money. And understands where that at, you know, Dustin never really connected the dots of if they've come with that or not. 
Um, and then he said, smell you later. And it's Dustin on his ass from their first fight. Um, Dustin said, okay. And it's Connor looking like a little bitch, sad that he got his ass kicked. And then after that, Connor said, you ripped, you're ripped. You inbred hillbilly. Why do you wink with your ears? You fucking brain dead hillbilly 500 K with no plan in place. Ye hang tight fool. You must be, be new to money. The fight is off by the way. I'm going to fight someone else on the 10th. Good luck on your old contract, kid. And at this moment, I'm like, damn, this is Twitter beef. I know this is just bullshit. Dana will make this fight happen. It was pretty much done deal anyways. Um, if, if they really called it off, like, Dustin's fucked. I mean, he's going to miss out on a huge payday. He's not going to fight for the title. He'd have to wait for the winner of Oliveira and Chandler. I would assume he'd be the first one in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that would be brutal for his career and, and, and his path. Um Let's see. Looking to start a foundations for a good fight, you guys. Who's in? McGregor versus what? That was the end of the Twitter beef. But then Dustin Poirier came out and apologized, saying that he did wrong. So obviously, you know, Connor's ignorant asshole and fuck him. And the way he talks is just bizarre. But at the same time, if you're, a, if you're somewhat known as a celebrity or a professional athlete, that's like behind the scenes thing. That's not for Twitter. Uh, you could talk shit all you want, but yeah, I mean, bringing up the money in the donation, especially if he didn't have plans, it just makes him look bad. He said he was just, you know, emotional, angry, whatever it is, whatever is the case, but what a crazy situation. I'm sitting there hung over as shit on the plane Monday and was just like, holy cow, like what's going to happen to Dustin at this point? That, that, that's brutal. Uh, but good news that before the pod this week, it's officially signed. They signed the bout. Um, but what's nice about Trilogy is having uh, uh, some bad blood, right? The last fight, they were all kumbaya, and he gave them hot sauce, and they were talking about the charity. Uh, but now there's some bad blood, so hopefully uh, it, it builds for a better fight. Fight. And the first fight, Dustin said he let his emotions get over him, and he just kind of blacked out and tried to kill him, and then and Connor pieced him up. Connor has been showing training videos, working on that calf kick and leg kick, so he's definitely going to come prepared. Dustin's going to have to switch up his game plan. Can Dustin switch up his game plan to, to avoid some crazy hits from Connor? I'm not sure. But Dustin took some pretty powerful hits in that first round and has taken some pretty powerful hits throughout his career. So hopefully he can get it done. Dustin's the underdog. I'll be betting on him again, trying to make that payday. Uh, but but this fight's huge for his career. I'm excited, intrigued. It's July 10th, the day after my birthday, and they are doing it in front of a full-capacity crowd at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Holy shit, what I would do to go to that. I looked at pre-sale uh, tickets. The, the minimal ticket's like 400 bucks. You know, maybe the, the, the prices will go down. I don't know. It's Vegas. It's UFC, I'm sure. The people that go to that are all going to want to go. They don't give a shit about COVID. But hopefully, because of COVID, there is some, you know... I don't know. The Jackson one sold out in like a matter of minutes. So I, I doubt that there's even a possibility I could go. But hey, I kick ass and do well on sales. I'd love to find an opportunity to go to that freaking trilogy fight in that card. That would be bonkers. Especially if Sean O'Malley fights Dominic Cruz as one of the headers, but I think he's running out of time as it's mid-April to get on that card. Other news in the UFC: Macy Barber versus Miranda Maverick has been announced. Macy Barber and Miranda Maverick are some up-and-coming uh, women in the UFC. I think this is a super dope bout for a women's fight. Obviously, not the level of like Wei Lei versus Rose Namajunas, but I am excited nonetheless. And Two guys that I always used to compare to each other that are pretty similar. Jeff Neal announced versus Neil Magny. Uh, both guys that are ranked pretty high in their respected division. Let's see. Uh, I think they're like right in the middle. 
Come on. Neil Magny is 9 and Jeff Neal is 11. So, yeah, going to be an awesome fight. Summer always brings awesome fights, but Jesus, I always feel like every week I see awesome fights announced on Monday after the, after a UFC bout. But can't wait. The UFC world is booming, and I'm going to be coming at you guys with all the analysis and recaps. So if you're an MMA guy, tune in. I'll give you my two cents. I, I tweet parlays and bets that I do online. And, uh, yeah, definitely take advantage because there's easy money to be made. Before we talk about the UFC, there are some events that have taken place before after our last pod uh, in other MMA world that I think is very interesting. The first one being the one on TNT, uh, number one. Demetrius Johnson losing to TKO in the second round versus Adriano Marias, somebody that I've never even heard of. You know, when you go to one championship, I expect him to clean house. He had done so until this fight. But one of the weird things with Bellator is they don't do weigh-ins. Uh, you don't have to make weight. They do a hydration test. Supposedly, I, you know, I don't know exactly the details on that. Uh, but everyone after that was hyping it like, holy shit, this Moraes guy is a real deal. People are UFC haters saying, yeah, there's other better talent in other divisions. Um, you know, this guy could come in the UFC and take uh, the, the whole class, which would be the flyweight class in the UFC. They have different names in Bellator and different weights. Um... But I'm like, yeah, okay, come on. This Bellator guy, you don't have to do the weigh-ins. He was obviously like five, six inches taller. Probably had like a five, six inch reach advantage. Uh, he was a lot bigger. And Mighty Mouse even kind of hinted to that in his Twitter. At the end of the day, he got caught. You know, that's not a big deal. But in the first round, Mighty Mouse looked like the better fighter. He was quicker. He was controlling the middle. Um, he was really controlling the fight. Reyes was just trying to be quick and, and circle. And you could tell he was looking for an opening. But DJ, with the, the, the lack of size and the length, really had to like be aggressive to get into his guard, right? Um, so the fight was going pretty pretty much how I expected it. And then he got caught. That's what happens. And also, that's kind of on Demetrius Johnson. When you leave the UFC, you don't have these weight cuts. There's also the, the knee that taken place. He had a, a knee down. In the UFC, if your knees are down, you cannot do a knee. And, and Murray has landed a nasty knee that pretty much sent him over before he landed another punch on him. So, you know, that's what you get when you leave the UFC. Things are a little less, like, strict and, and, and structured. It's just kind of, like, free-for-all fighting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I thought Mighty Mouse looked better. Um, if the rematch happens within the next two years, I'll bet the house on it. And if any of you guys think fucking differently, message me, tweet me, whatever. I'll make the bet. I'm super into it, um, you know. Props to this guy, though, not trying to take anything away from him. But people are acting like Demetrius is washed. UFC fighters don't have it. I'm like, oh, settle the fuck down. Um, Moraes before this, you know, he just lost to a fighter, Gigi Estaquio. He ended up fighting him and beating him again in the rematch. But, like, you know, this guy has, has none of the legacy of Demetrius. And I would, again, bet my money that if there was a rematch, Mighty Mouse would take it. So everyone just needs to chill and pump the brakes here. But end of the day, it's fucking crazy that that even happened. Also, one's promotion saying that this is the best fighter in the world. Um, basically, before the fight, they're hyping it. This is for the best MMA fighter of all time or the world. It's like, dude, Moraes hasn't done shit. Yeah, sure, he beats DJ. Like, that's awesome. And, and he'll, he'll be considered pretty highly. But that doesn't just make you the best after. Like, I looked at his resume. He hasn't beat anybody I've even fucking heard of. So I don't know how that's even possible. And then we kind of hinted to it earlier, but Eddie Alvarez DQ'd, supposedly a punch in the back. I guess this past yesterday, there was the one on TNT two, and someone else got DQ'd. So 
yeah, weird fucking rules in that. The production was garbage. I wasn't really big into it. Props for them to get into TNT. The only way I'm tuning in is if there's massive UFC fighters or, you know, there is really high quality because the quality that I saw in that promotion wasn't near the level of the UFC. And then we have Bellator, Bellator 256. I'm more intrigued about Bellator than ever because of that light heavyweight circuit. We have names like Anthony Rumble Johnson, Yoel Romero, the Cuban fucking savage. Um, well, UFC 250 or Bellator 256 just happened, and there was some ex UFC namers in there. Uh, one of the Tacoma locals, Kat Zingano, defeated Olivia Parker versus submission in round one. You know, Kat Zingano is pretty old. I'm not sure if Olivia Parker is or not, but she submitted him. UFC gets a tally. And then Liz Carmouche, who's definitely older, uh, defeated Vanessa Porto via unanimous decision. So the women that go from UFC to Bellator obviously whooping that ass. Um, you know, to to have resemblance here, um, the the lady I'm blanking on her name that had came to UFC to fight Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez beat her ass, and I thought that the other girl was going to win. Sorry that I'm blanking on her name, but. Hey, you know, UFC fighters, you got to give them credit. Everyone kind of knocks UFC because of its politics, but it is definitely arms and legs, the best promotion out there in the world. And then Ryan Bader in a rematch of Lyona Machida, the fight I was looking forward to. I didn't get to catch it. I totally forgot about it. I was on vacation. It was day one. It was a crazy day. Uh, but he defeated Lyona Machida versus unanim uh, via unanimous decision, which is very big for him. Obviously, Lyota, you know, definitely at the end of his career. That's probably why he's in Bellator, Bader as well. But... Um, Bader just keeps kicking ass and is one of the better opponents in that um, light heavyweight division. And it'll be interesting to see how he does against some of those other names uh, that have come from the UFC. Now we could talk UFC fight night. Again, an early card on ABC. I basically roll out of bed, started drinking, watching fights on Saturday. Another funny story in Scottsdale. I had lost my wallet Friday night. You know, I wasn't blacked out or anything, but the, at the end of the night, we had left a club and at Scottsdale, the, the lifts are terrible. You have to wait like 30 minutes to get a, a lift unless you pay like an extra, almost twice the money. And we're out of the line at the club, and obviously everyone's out at the same time. There's probably 100 people trying to get lifts. So uh, me and my friends went and asked this guy, like, hey, we'll give you $60 cash if you give us a ride. He gave us a ride, canceled his drive, and somehow I left my wallet in there. Worst case of scenario, though, is like I can't track this guy, right? So I called the bars that we went to, just double-checking. Nobody could find it. It's about three or four. We're having a good time. I somehow convinced this guy to let me into a, a, a day place. And a guy hits me up. Muhammad, bless you. Shout out, Muhammad. Hits me up on Instagram. Says, hey, man, I got your wallet. I was like, dude, I'll give you 100 bucks right away just to make sure he doesn't hold it hostage if you come and bring it. He didn't put any charges on it. I didn't have any cash in there, I don't believe. If so, he probably took it. Don't think I did. I, I try not to carry cash. I just feel like I have to spend it when I have cash. And... um he comes out, brings me my wallet, and I was like, dude, how did you even know? Well, business in buckets, baby. I got business cards with the QR code. He scanned it, saw my Instagram, and messaged me. Holy cow, though, there's still good people out there. You know, a lot of people could have just maxed that shit out and said, screw this guy. But he was one of the nicest guys I ever met. Um, you know, shout out again, Muhammad. It just shows there's good people out there feeling blessed. Hell yeah, Scottsdale, locals. That's what's up. But. I was a little stressed that morning, started drinking right away because I didn't have my wallet. Well, the card started probably 8.30 Pacific time. And one of the fights that we had talked about uh, that was one of the first prelims that was interesting was Daun Jung, who defeated William Knight via unanimous decision. And the fight went pretty much how I expected it. 
Jung just straight smothered him with volume and takedowns and really just gas night out. He was trying to keep up, but with the takedowns, with the, with the, with the volume to lead to the takedown, to open him up for the takedown, William Knight's a very big muscular guy and you could tell he just gassed out. You know, honestly, a little bum that Ung Jun couldn't finish the fight. Uh, but, you know, William Knight battled, but Ung Jun won like we had expected. And pretty much fight went exactly how I expected. The next fight, this is my guy from Montana, the four-time state champion, Montana high school wrestling champion. Jack Shore ended up beating him, though. Hunter Azure via split decision. The judge gave him a, a round. I mean, Hunter was battling. He was... Pretty much outstruck everywhere. He did land some some power punches. I mean, Hunter is jacked for the bantamweight division. And he has the power, but he wasn't able to finish Jack. And Jack just kept the volume going on. He's an undefeated fighter in his own rights. And, you know, the bantamweight class is just fucking stacked. There's 40 good fighters in that class. And um, Shore had six takedowns. He out-wrestled the wrestler. I think a lot of that, though, was the punches that are opening up. You know, I'd highly doubt Jack Shore is a better wrestler, but that's MMA. That's what makes it fun. If I'm punching you in the face and you're trying to defend and then I go and take you down, like, okay, that's not just wrestling, right? Uh, so he, he he beat the wrestler at his own game. Um, like Hunter's last fight, though, he did get seemed gassed towards the end of the rounds. I love that you're jacked. I love that you're powerful. But this is two L's that you've had because of, you know, I think a lot of it to be to deal with cardio and being gassed out. Uh, I think he's got to go back to training camp, go to the drawing boards, take a little bit of time off. I think this is his fourth UFC fight, two and two, um, and, and and figure out what we got to do to maybe lean out a little bit, get some of that speed going. And for me, if you're an up-and-coming UFC fighter, obviously you're going to most likely fight three rounds. But if you have championship aspirations, you got to be able to fight five rounds. That's what's made John Jones the GOAT, in my opinion, is he's the best five-round fighter I've ever seen. He He's able to know how much volume, how much power he could do to last five rounds. And um, when it comes championship rounds, he always wins them. You know, I've never seen Hunter in a five-round fight. You know, maybe he could turn it on four and five. But if I'm an up-and-comer, I'm preparing for five. I, like, I want to be able to be ready for five fucking rounds. If, if the time comes, I get a random main card bout. I get a five rounds. I'm going to whip some ass. And if I'm in a championship, I'm, I'm going to be prepared for it. And if you're ready for five rounds, then you'll be more than ready for three rounds, and you know you could just turn it up a notch. So, um, you know, love to see him doing his thing, but it's like, you know, go to camp, go to the drawing board, let's see what we can do, because he has lots of fucking potential. I'm sure he's the hardest worker in the room. He's from Poplar, Montana. If you don't know where that is, Google it. It's an Indian reservation, literally almost in North Dakota, very small populated place, and he's doing big things. So shout out, Hunter Azure. We'll, I'm sure we'll see you ba back better than ever. And, you know, Shore's on the rise. I'm sure he's going to get some big-time fights. And um, I'm sure Azure's going to bounce back. Again, we talked about Shore's nickname being Tank, so he must be tough. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm sure these two fighters are going to be on the rise in the next couple of years. Now, Jarjis Man Mountain. What a nickname. Man Mountain Dono with a round one knockout versus Jorgen DeCastro. Uh, this broke my parlays, him and Hunter, pretty early, so I was kind of out of it. Kept trying to bet parlays to win, ended up not winning. But it is what it is. You don't win them all. I was trying to win because I was on vacation. I was like, we hit one of these bad boys, we're turning up even more. Probably a good thing that that didn't happen because I don't think I could have turned it up anymore. But Jorgen DeCastro was the guy I picked. He's got nasty power and speed for hands for heavyweight. 
Um, and he was very aggressive against Don Ho, who's a little bit older, doesn't have a ton of UFC experience. He's fought in other promotions, and you could tell he wanted the knockout, right? He's trying to move up. He's had a couple losses, and Don Ho on a counter punch just fucking smoked. I mean, smoked to Castro, and he collapsed like a lawn chair. It was a nasty knockout, man. Um, third straight loss for DeCastro. That's very tough, uh, but I do like him. I do expect him to be able to move back and get his shit together. And, you know, props to Jarjis for doing it. Older guy, I don't... Th- I don't, can't remember if he's lost since he's been in the UFC or not, uh, but he'll be moving up. That's a big win for him. Then we had a very interesting fight. This was the prelim headliner before the main card, Joe Selecki, who had a unanimous decision uh, decision over Jim Miller. I had picked Jim Miller. Come to find out, Jim Miller was going to, uh, in this fight, if he would win or submit him, was going to break a tie and have the UFC record, ladies and gentlemen, UFC record for submissions and uh, wins in the UFC. I mean, Jim Miller is a vet. He's beaten really good people. He's done pretty much anything you could ask. Uh, but Joe Selecki, he's, he looks like the real deal. He looks like a big up-and-comer in this weight class. Um, so like he just used his youth and was nonstop in Miller's face. He knew he was going to be probably the younger, fresher guy. And he was mixing in power and takes down to keep Miller, keep Miller guessing. I mean, that's just very powerful when you're able to actually land with volume right out the gate and get aggressive. It probably puts your opponent like, holy shit, this guy is fucking coming at me. He thinks he can do it. And then they take you down and you're like, fuck dude, now I'm on my back. And you're trying to use all this energy to get off your back. If you don't, you go to round two, try it again. But if they come out again, they're just, you know, it's definitely a a tough thing to be able to handle. You got to be able to counter. You got to be able to keep your footwork going. Um, But yeah, I mean, Selecki landed twice as many shots as Miller. And again, this is a lightweight division, which is probably top to bottom, the deepest division in the UFC. I know I keep debating. I mean, all these divisions are fucking stacked now. We're talking about worldly talent. The UFC's talent is just next level shit right now and that's why we see names like ul romero johnson and bellator because it's like the ufc can't pay everybody they have way too too many fighters um but yeah the lightweight division stacks so some good fights upcoming for him um i would expect joe selecki to try to move his way up getting in the top 15 will be a challenge of its own as the 15th ranked fighter in the lightweight class is movzar evdev we got Edson Barbosa, 14, and Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell, 13. So lots of talent within that division. But yeah, Sodeki looked like the real deal. Moving to the main card, Daniel Rodriguez with the unanimous decision over Mike Platinum Perry. I had picked Daniel Rodriguez. Perry just doesn't look like he's, you know, he's fighting to fight because he's a fighter. He's, you know, obviously had some things outside the UFC. But, you know, he's having his, like, girlfriend coach's corner. He asked, like, hey, anyone wants to pay, they can coach me in my corner. It's more of a press thing because he's a, a fan favorite just because he's fucking crazy. Um, but, yeah, Rodriguez used his reach advantage and more than doubled the total number of landed strikes in Perry. Perry, obviously, you know, trying to be aggressive and figure shit out, did take him down twice, but didn't stand a chance on his feet. Uh, he looked sloppy and not as sharp as I've normally seen him. Um, and Perry was quoted after the fight saying he used to be good which just shows he's kind of probably mentally defeated, and I doubt he's training as hard as he used to. You got to have that championship mindset when you're fighting someone. As a high school wrestler, I hadn't matured enough, and I'd always just psych myself out. I was like, oh, I'm going to get my ass kicked. Guess what happened every fucking time? You're going to get your ass kicked. You got to have that subconscious feeding grounds of I'm the fucking man, I'm a fucking killer, 
Um, if you don't know Mike Tyson's story, he pretty much got brainwashed as a young kid. That's why he's such a deadly heavyweight champion at the time. You got to have that mentality. If you're mentally defeated, you're defeated. You're going to get your ass whipped as long as the other guy's got a strong mental game. So um, his head is obviously not into it. It'll be interesting to see where Mike Perry goes from here. Good win for Mr. Rodriguez. And then the fight that I was really looking forward to, one of the my favorite women in the UFC, Mackenzie Dern with the first round submission over Nina Nunez. And what a show she's putting on. I mean, she has fought a lot since she's had her baby, and she looks better than ever. Uh, super impressive performance by Dern, and she's blossoming into a star. I mean, usually the people that I, I like, a lot of the fans like, why? Because they have that it factor, right? Um, with this win, she's moved up six spots to number five in the women's strawweight rankings, which is big time. But the it factor that I'm talking about, I mean, her smile, her energy, her humbleness is amazing. Like, you want to be around her. She's somebody that I would call a sun, right? Everyone wants the sun here in Seattle. Like it's been 70 degrees since I've been back. I just want to be out in the sun. I live by the beach. It feel, makes me feel better. You get those rays of energy. And she's like that. If she's in a room of 20 people, you just want to be around her. Um, you know, what a badass fighter. She's, you know, obviously phenomenally beautiful. So props to her husband. Uh, as a professional surfer, you landed a good one. Uh, but she is medically suspended for six months after being really active. So you know, probably good for her to spend some time with the family, but she's going to have some big time fights coming up and a tough return for Nina. You know, um, if you, if you don't know, you know, obviously she's with, uh, Amanda Nunez. So it's Nina Nunez now, but coming back from birth, you know, she, she wants to be aggressive. She is a little bit older, kind of a vet in that class. Um, she'll be fine though. She only dropped a couple spots in the rankings and I'm sure that, uh, she'll still have some big time fights ahead and get back into track. Um, but yeah, McKenzie with the, uh, Dern with that, really moving up in the rankings. So I think it's clear being number five that she's going to get the winner of Carla Esparza and Yang Shinyon. Shinyan, I have no idea how to actually say that. So, you know, my, my bad. Uh, but being number five, you got Carla, number four, Yan, number three. And then you got Joanna Yo and Rose and Wei Lang who are fighting. You know, could she get a Joanna? Maybe. Um, maybe she gets a loser of Jan and Carla. Either way, she's going to have big-time fights. I mean, these are big-time opponents in these weight classes. I just can't wait to see how it turns out because I am definitely a fan. Outside of Rug, Thug, Ro Rose, Thug, Thug, Rose, Rose, Thug, Ro Ugh. Rose, Thug, Davayunis, I'm going to have to say that Mackenzie Dern's my favorite women fighter, women's fighter in the UFC. <laughs> she's just a badass. Moving on, we had Julian Marquez with the round two submission of Sam Alvey. This was a fight of the night award. Alvey with five losses and a draw before uh, after this fight. We had talked about his career is going to be on the line here. You know, he, he fought and he battled. But, yeah, I mean, not many people get that many losses and get to stay in the UFC. He's obviously a veteran and been here for a while. So very intrigued to see what happens with him. Marquez now with two wins in the middleweight division. Two wins in a row, not two wins total. Uh, he'll be moving his way up those rankings. Again, there's probably 30 good fighters in that class as well. Uh, but big win for him and tough loss for Sam Alvey. Um, you know, hopefully he gets to stick around because he did battle his heart out. And then we had um, Kyle Dacus versus Alaska Kriziv, uh dropped from the card because of COVID. I had picked the Russian in this fight. This was uh, two up-and-comers that I was super excited about to be determined if they're going to just reschedule or, or mix up opponents. Um, some people get affected by COVID a lot worse than others. You know, the Cody Garbrandt story I listened to on Joe Rogan, he was messed up for like a year. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But, uh, you know, bummed we lost that fight. 
it was a, it was going to be a good one. The probably the you know obviously this is a co-main. So besides the McKenzie Dern fight, another fight that has some youthful talent that I was really excited about, Arnold Allen unanimous decision over Sadiq Youssef. Uh, that's the first last I've seen Yusuf take. I was super high on him. You know, didn't know as much uh, about Arnold Allen. But, hey, Yusuf had more strikes and significant strikes than Allen and had a knockdown. Uh, but Allen had a knockdown and two takedowns, uh, you know, lots of control time. So that was able to get him the UD. Uh, Allen moves up two spots in the rankings to number eight. These are both ranked fighters. And Yusuf down one to number 12. Either way, these guys have bright futures. I'm always going to be tuned in for their fights, and I learned about a lot about Allen here. It puts him on a 10-fight win streak. That is no small feat. 10 fights, like, holy shit, this guy's really going to be moving up. Um, when you have big fights like that, you could skip up the rankings if there's an open fighter that's willing to take that fight. Would love to see him fight guys like Calvin Cater. You know, obviously, he got brutalized by my guy, Super Saiyan, Matt Max Holloway. Um, hopefully, he gets to fight soon. That would be an awesome fight. Um Really big time striking here. Um, Josh Emmett would be a really good name, but he's been out for a long time. He shredded his knee. He's had some complications in returning. He said he's even thought of like potential, you know, retirement due to health, but he said he wants to battle in and make things happen and, and, and continue to return to the UFC. I don't know if that'll happen this year. With that win, I would assume Arnold Allen is going to fight this year, though. Um, so to be determined, but either way, he's going to be fighting some big name, big name opponents with that win streak and a win over Sadiq. Oh, shit. I mean, he could even fight Zabit since uh, the Zabit and Yair, like, fucking round five. It's like Tony Ferguson could be, but just I don't, never probably going to happen, uh, especially after Yair was suspended. So interested to see what's going to happen here, but lots of big, big names and opportunities for Mr. Arnold Allen. And then we have the main event. Another Kevin Holland snoozer, right? Marvin Vittori, unanimous decision. A couple weeks later, pretty much the same story, ladies and gentlemen. I was hoping we'd get a little bit of striking. But do you blame Marvin? Right? Had an opponent change. He was supposed to fight Darren Till, which would, you know, be a bigger win. It fights a guy who fought a couple of weeks that just got wrestled the shit out of him. If you can wrestle, what are you gonna do? You're gonna you're gonna sit there and strike with uh Mr. Holland right before you have a shot at the title or a rematch of with Izzy, or are you gonna fucking take care of business? If I'm a smart guy, I'm taking care of business. So I can't blame the guy. It was just a little bit of a snoozer of what could have been if 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 they were able to, to stay on the feet a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, tough loss for Holland. He needs to go and practice his wrestling, obviously, and take down defense. There was a quote that he doesn't want to really change his style. That's fine, but you got to be able to stop the wrestling because in this division, there's a lot of good wrestlers. I mean, we're talking Robert Whitaker could take you down. Obviously, Marvin. Derek Brunson, Kevin Gastelum, Uriah Hall, Edmund Shemaya, Shemazian, Chris Weidman, Brad Tavares, who's coming back and coming up. Like Those are all really pretty good wrestlers, and if they see that film, they're going to try to take advantage of you there. Um, was also disappointed in Vittoria for not being able to finish that. I think that finish, if he was able to finish Holland, could probably really had a better shot at, at getting Izzy. He obviously shouted out, I want Izzy in a rematch after this, but there's some, some people ranked higher than him. He moves up number uh, three spots to number three, but Robert Whitaker is fighting Gastelum. I would assume if Robert wins that fight, he's, he's the, the sure next bet for a rematch against Izzy, who ended up taking the belt from him. And at the time, uh, I think I've talked about this before, but Whitaker said that he was just unmotivated. He was kind of on top of the world and, Sometimes it's hard to get motivated when you're a champ. You get that taken away from you. A little bit different story. 
awesome potential fight. You know, don't want to... I mean, it doesn't matter. You guys will tune in next week. You're my real B&B fans. Obviously, I'm going to take Whitaker over Gaslam, and I fully expect him to fight Izzy, and I think it's the best chance to dethrone Izzy in this division. Um, Vittori could also potentially fight Paula Costa after this. You know, he's fallen out, had some couple bullshit issues, but um, that could put him in a position for a title fight. So fight one of the top contenders after this because he pulled out of the, the Whitaker fight. You win that, then you get the winner of probably uh, Whitaker versus Izzy. Um, but yeah, like I said, Holland needs to take some time off and regroup, focus on wrestling. I saw a funny tweet that they said, hey man, we sh- you should just fly to Dagestan and work with the Russians. And he said, cool, see you in nine weeks. Totally awesome idea. I highly doubt that he does that because... I doubt Kevin Holland wants to go to Dagestan, but fucking figure it out. Get your practice in if you want to move up. And it seems like he's really eager to get better, so I'm sure he, sure, sure he'll figure it out. You know, you can't figure it out in two weeks. Now we have this upcoming, I believe it's UFC uh, Vegas 24, UFC Fight Night this Saturday. Back to regular times in the evening. Uh, none of that early stuff. Again, that last one was on ABC Supposedly, the ratings were way lower, which I'm not surprised. But um, this upcoming UFC, we do have some good fights. Loving every Saturday action. And then, obviously, next week is the massive, not this Saturday, but the next one, is that massive, massive UFC card with three title fights. Probably one of the coolest women's fights we're going to ever see with Rose and Wei Lang. Uh, so, super excited for that. Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Funny thing, Masvidal started his own YouTube channel. I subscribed and watched the videos. He's got like six of them up. Very entertaining. If you enjoy UFC, check out his YouTube. Um, but let's start with some with a prelim. I don't know a lot of prelims on this card. And like I said, I'm not going to bore you guys with making assumptions and things if I've never seen a fighter, haven't seen him in the Contender Series or Ultimate Fighter. With the Ultimate Fighter being back, I'll probably know a lot more fighters because a lot of those guys come in and, and do pretty well. But Jessica Penne, we had talked about her fighting uh, Hannah Goldie a little while ago, but Goldie had to pull out because of COVID. Uh, but this is Penne's first fight since 2017 because a couple USADA suspensions. And she was, you know, really on top fighting like championship level quality opponents before this, but she's 38 years old now. She has a 12 and six record and she's fighting Lupita Godinez, who I've never heard of, uh, but she's five and oh, so undefeated fighter, young up and comer at 27 years old. So, uh, intriguing fight, hard for me to pick. Penne is the underdog, uh, but in the parlay that I'm putting up this month, I'm picking Penne. I'll take the underdog money. This is really going to probably be a 50-50 toss-up. Like, has Penne been working out? I would assume so if she's, she's, she's been suspended by USADA a couple times. Uh, but yeah, intriguing to see what she has left in the tank. You know, normal in sports, 38 years old, you're like, okay, their watch is done. But like I said, Glover Teixeira, 41. Randy Couture did it for a long time. We also have Andre Arlovsky, who is a UFC champion, fighting on this card that's 41, and he looks really good. So you don't know till you know. With the time off, though, I'm sure that affects the odds, but that's probably a good bet to put on. So if you like betting underdogs, Penne is a good bet. Moving to the main card, we have Ricardo Ramos, the 25-year-old with the 14-3 record, versus Bill Algeo, 31 years old with the 14-5 record. Ramos coming off a loss and Algeo coming off a win. Uh, Ramos is a uh, black uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and both fighters are well-rounded, but from what I understand and what I've seen in my research, guys, uh, Ramos has advantage with wrestling and ground games, so I'm going to take Ramos in this one. I think it'll be a good fight on the main card to get things started. 
Um, but yeah, 50-50 toss-up here. If you're really looking to bet the parlays, I'd stay away from this one. And then another Ultimate Fighter alum that I, I actually really enjoy. We have Lu, Luis Violent Bob Ross Pena. What a dope nickname, the Violent Bob Ross. He's tall, lanky, ginger with a fro. I mean, that's just the perfect nickname. Um, when you're comfortable in your skin and obviously you look or, or do something like that, like, hey, I look like Bob Ross or the guy from The Simpsons, the killer guy. I can't remember his name. But yeah, take advantage of it. It's fun. The fans love it. Just be who you are. Um, but he's 27 with an 8-3 and three record. Going against Alexander Munoz, the 31-year-old, with a 6-1 and one record. So two guys that I expect to be up and coming. Uh, going to be a, a nice clash. Pena, I believe, was supposed to fight a couple weeks ago, but with some COVID pullouts, the fight didn't happen. So uh, this was another guy that I analyzed not that many episodes ago. But Pena with the three-inch reach advantage here. I feel like three inches or over does make a difference, so that's why I talk about three or more. Uh, like Holland had a seven-inch reach advantage on Vittori. That's probably why Vittori is like, dude, I'm not going to fuck with you. I'm just going to wrestle you and beat you. Uh, three-inch reach advantage and an American top team member uh, fighting out of that camp. And both fighters are coming off a loss in this one. I really liked Pena on the Ultimate Fighter. He had a uh, potential to win that season, in my opinion. He did have an injury, though, uh, which pulled him out and took him a while to, to win a couple fights, get to the UFC, and here he is. So really excited for Violent Rob Ross, uh, Bob Ross. I'm putting him on my parlay. Mark it down. Now we move into Abdul Razak Alhassan, the 35-year-old with a 10-1 and record. Versus Jacob Jacob Mamba Malkoon, a 25-year-old with 4-1 and record. Two opponents. That do, yeah, it's kind of a random matchup here, but it's obviously in the main card for a reason. Abdul is a previous Bellator fighter. He has, you know, pretty good experience. Um, Abdul is also real-time power, as all of his fights uh, have been ended and won by via TKO or knockout. So, yeah, he, he's jacked. He's throwing some power around, and he's fighting this young up-and-comer with a 4-1 and record at 25 years old. Um, and his nickname is Mamba, so he better have that killer min- mindset, but I'm taking Abdul in this one. I'd expect him to finish via TKO or knockout. Put him in the parlay. Mark it down. Moving on, we got Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky, the 42-year-old ex-champion that I was talking about, versus Chase the Vanilla Gorilla Sherman, a 31-year-old gentleman. Yeah, so Arlovsky has been very active and looking very good. I think he's fought three times in the past year. And Arlovsky's coming off a loss, and his last loss, I believe, was right around the end of 2020. Um, Sherman on a four-fight win streak. Sherman with a, a, a purple belt in kickboxing and a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, BJJ. And he trains at the Jackson Wink Camp, which is funny because Arlovsky used to train there but is now an American top team. Um, I'm one with the experience here and Arlovsky coming off a loss. He's fighting and being active for a reason. I think he wants to go out either. He's trying to finish his contract with the bang or just have an opportunity for some fun fights. He's a true fight lover. Uh, I'm going to go with the pit bull Andre Arlovsky on this and I'll put him in my parlay. Mark it down. Moving on. We got Jeremy Stevens, the number 10th ranked fighter, 34 years old with a 28 and 18 record. Wow. A lot of fights there. And he's fighting Drakkar Close, 33 years old, 11-2 and two record. Um, Drakkar, I tune into Sean O'Malley's podcast just because, I don't know, it's pretty crazy. Um, he does talk some good stuff, but he talks a lot about fighting, and he, he gets talks about who he's training with. You get to learn about some of the fighters, and he had Drakkar on his podcast. Really, you know, respect the guy, like the guy. Um, they both are purple belts in BJJ. 
Stevens coming off a four-fight loss streak and one no contest against straight killers, though. This, you know, he's fighting the top of the division. And Cl- Close is coming off a loss and having a new opponent booked after the last dropped out. So this is another guy who was supposed to fight not that long ago uh, that Jeremy Stevens booked him in, which he's like, hell yeah, bigger opponent, uh, bigger opportunity on a main card, let's go. And this will be Stevens' first appearance at lightweight since 2012. He's bounced in between two divisions throughout his career, but hasn't fought lightweight in quite some time. Um, so fighting out a little bigger weight class, we'll see how that does for him. But I'm going to take Jeremy Stevens. This was a very tough one, 50-50, but Stevens has been fighting killers the past few years. Jakar's just kind of moving his way up the rankings, so I'm going to take my guy Jeremy Stevens. Again, these guys are right at the edge of their prime, 34 and 33 in the fight world. And then the main event of the evening. Robert Whitaker, the number one ranked fighter, 30 years old, sporting a 23-5 and record versus Kevin Gastelum, the number eight ranked fighter, 29-year-old gentleman with a 17-6 and record. You know, I'm hyped for this fight ever since it was supposed to happen since Ultimate Fighter. Since losing to Izzy, like I said, um, you know, stating that he wasn't ma- motivated, he's been on a tear and looks like the best option to, to, to beat Izzy in a rematch. Um... I don't know who I would pick in that fight, honestly. We'll just wait to see what happens. Uh, but Kevin Gastelum coming off a win, a real big career-saving win after a couple losses against Ian Heinish. He had three straight losses before that fight, and now he gets the revenge that he or you know, gets the action that he wanted years ago. And Whitaker winning his last two versus Till and the Killer Gorilla Jared Cannonier, two very tough individuals. Going to be a crazy fight as Gastelum's in his prime and doesn't want to keep slipping in the division. He's right now ranked number eight. A loss here puts you back a couple spots, but a win here can reinvigorate you, and we know how close he pushed Izzy in their first fight, so you know he's got to be hungry for this. And I know Kevin Gaslam just, when he's in a room, he's a fucking hard worker. Um, Whitaker knows that he is a win away from having a chance at the title again, though. It seems like he's motivated ever, and at a, at the, He's got a skill advantage here. Um, could Kevin Gaslam take him down and grind him out? Absolutely. But I'm going to go with Robert Whitaker, the number one ranked fighter, and I'm putting this in my parlay. Book it. This is going to be a great main event. Unlike the Vittori fight, this isn't going to be one that, that's just grinded out. These two are fighting with a lot on the line. Um, you know, These guys are supposed to fight before, so I expect this to be fireworks no matter what. The Jeremy Stevens fight's going to be awesome. The Arlovsky fight's going to be awesome. The Pena fight's going to be awesome. So it should be a very good card for a free fight night card, UFC 24, uh, before we have another pay-per-view next week. And I can't wait to talk about that with my Business and Buckets fans. Also, this Friday is Bellator 257, which the headliner is Phil Davis versus Vadim Nemkov for the title, which is weird because they're in these circuits. But um, continuing the hot, light, heavyweight circuit. Uh, if you don't know Phil Davis, he was an ex- um, UFC fighter, big fucking stud. Uh, that should be a good fight. I'll tune into that just to watch uh, that and some other ex-UFCers. We got Corey Anderson versus... Oh, I'm going to murder this, but let's give it a shot. Why the fuck not? Dov Letzan Yagshamuradov. Dov Letzan Yagshamuradov versus Corey Anderson. And then we got Paul Daly versus Sabah Homasi. Um... Three guys that used to be in the UFC. I'm going to take Phil Davis. I'm taking Paul Daly. And I'm taking Corey Anderson. Just like the women did last week. The guy's about to clean house here. 
Uh, but some big names going to be fun in Bellator. Extra fights, why not? It's on Friday night. And then we have this crazy fucking fight that is just still crazy that it's even happening. We got Jake Paul, the 24-year-old, versus Ben Askren, the Olympian athlete, 37 years old. It should be fun. It's a boxing fight. Obviously, if it was a real fight, Ben Askren would beat the shit out of this kid. And I would love to see it, honestly. You know, Jake Paul, ex-Disney kid, been on TV, supposedly does music. I could only imagine how shitty it is. And um, his whole motto is like, bad boy, I'm a bad boy. And he fucks hot bitches. And he's got a shit ton of money for being from a young, rich kid. Uh, this is a kid I would love to fucking punch in the fucking face. And, you know, Ben Askren gets this offer as an ex-Olympian athlete. But this is going to be the biggest fucking payday of his career that blows my mind that you can be an Olympian athlete. You could fight in top-level competition. He fought in one. He fought in Bellator. He's fought in the UFC. And this is the biggest payday of his career. That's kind of fucked up. But at the end of the day, if I'm Askren, they offer me this. Yeah, I'm fucking taking it. And Ben Askren, if you follow him on social media... I mean, this guy's an adult. He's an Olympian athlete. He has a good mindset. He gives no fucks, right? He gets made fun of all the time. He has a big fan base. Uh, he's in it for the biggest payday. That's really what it is. He doesn't care. He's not going to let trash talking get in his head. And if anything, he's in Jake Paul's head. He's won gold medals in wrestling at the Pan American Games, the U.S. National Championships, World Championships, and two NCAA Championship golds. Like, what a fucking resume. You know, he's nearing 40. He's come off hip surgery. And he looked a little rough after his last fight with Masvidal when he got ended and became the biggest meme of the year. I was at that shit, by the way. Crazy. Got video footage. You ever want to check it out? Um, but he's beat the likes of Ruthless. His nickname's Ruthless Robbie Lawler. This guy fucking throws hands. And boy, did Askren take a couple hits. Uh, he's taken hits from Robbie fucking Lawler uh, in his UFC debut, and he ended up taking him down and beating him. Um, he's also beat fucking Douglas Lima. I don't know a lot about the Bellator, but this guy is probably the best competition that could come into the UFC and have a, uh, a run at a championship and, and title outside of Michael Chandler. I've known of Chandler somewhat and knew that he'd come in the UFC do well. I, you know, I'm not upset that he's getting the title fight after his last performance, uh, but Douglas Lima is a fucking savage and Ashton beat his ass. Um, this was quite a while ago, you know, Ben Ashton was, was in his fighting prime, but I got to pick against Ashton. Why? Well, because of his age, he's come off hip surgery. He says he feels good. Um, but, like, I don't think he's super – like, I don't think he gives a shit if he wins or not. I think that's the biggest problem is, like, does he really give a shit? I don't know. He, You know, I haven't looked too much into it, but it doesn't look like he's training very seriously, and he's not a boxer at all. Like, that is not his forte. When he fight UFC, he's trying to take it to the ground immediately and choke you out, gorilla stranglehold you. Um, but, yeah – I think as long as Jake Paul doesn't blow his load because Ben's in his head and he tries to just fucking knock Ben out early, he's going to win. If anything, he's a lot taller. He's got a longer reach. Like, out fucking score Ben. Ben's going to try to bring it in, clinch, rub his fucking head in your shit, get you nasty, talk shit. I hope that works. I hope Ben Askren wins. I'm a betting guy. Ben Askren's an underdog. In a fucking right human's brain, Shane, do you want to bet on an Olympian athlete or a Disney fuckboy? I'm betting on an Olympian athlete. So in a parlay, I'm betting Ben Askren. But because I'm trying to think logical here, I'm going to go Jake Paul. Jake Paul says he wants to keep continually doing this. And he knows that this is his, this is his life right now. Like him and his brother are training. They have good trainers. And they're trying to fight competition. If you lose to fucking Ben Askren, like, dude, get the fuck out. I don't ever want to hear from you again. I think he understands that. I, I mean, I would hope he, he does. I mean, he's a total... I mean, he's literally just a fucking idiot in my opinion. But... 
he's a millionaire. I'm not. You know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, he should win. And that's probably why he's a favorite, right? Um, this will be the toughest test for him in his fighting career. Um, Askren, like I said, is going to try to grind him out. If Askren can tire Jake Paul out, I think he has a shot. Um, but if if he can smack Paul too, which I don't know how much power he can bring up, but if he could really fucking hit him and, and talk shit and get in his head, the guy might just fucking quit and, and get beat up. So uh, I'm intrigued. I'll be watching. Um, it, it's on the 19th, I believe, this Saturday, which there's also this UFC card. But I multitask. You could watch something on TV, throw something on the fucking computer. I'll fucking throw something on the phone. If you guys know me, I've had it where I'm at like who knows where. I got game on TV, game on computer, game on phone. I don't give a shit. That's what I do. I do what I do. And then another announced uh, or another fight in this card, the card of Jake Paul and Ben Askren. We got Steve Cunningham, 44-year-old boxing, very good resume and record. He's fought some some tough He's fought uh, Tyson Fury. So, like, yeah, he's fought some dudes. Boxing Frank Mir, who went from UFC. He was the guy that fucking hill-hooked Brock Lesnar. That's what he lives off of. Um, you know, tough UFC fighter, but mixed martial arts. Ground game, top game, everything. Went to bare-knuckle boxing. I haven't watched the bare-knuckle fighting promotion. I would have loved to see uh, Paige Van Zandt fight, but I didn't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's going from that to real boxing against a real fucking boxer. I mean, again, logically, like, the people that thought Conor McGregor had a chance against Floyd, like, I was just laughing. Frank Mir's not going to win this fight. He's in it for a payday. These guys are getting paid more than their fucking glorified days. This is just crazy. If I was 41 or 37, shit, that's only nine years away. Or, yeah, nine years away, you tell me I could fight Jake Paul for millions of dollars or a fucking Disney punk-ass kid like that? I'll start training right now. Like, I'm super into it. This is money, logical sense. Like, these guys got their brains fucking mashed in for their whole career and didn't get paid for it, right? They didn't get paid very well for it. Besides, besides the money they're throwing in for recovery, fitness, dieting. Like, you get an opportunity like this, you fucking take advantage. Eddie Alvarez, all those guys. Yeah, I expect more of this to happen. Because boxing guys want to build their legacy too because boxing's not as popular anymore. Lots of shit in the fight world. Lots of shit this coming week. I'm excited. Summertime means fights, right? Um, but let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk NBA as we're getting pretty fucking close to playoffs, ladies and gentlemen. I love fucking playoff basketball. I am excited because the Jazz are number one in the West and the Jazz haven't won in my lifetime. As a very young kid, I grew up going to the jazz games in, in Salt Lake City, being a part of them. My uncle was a big fan. I grew up in Wyoming. And we're probably one of the best franchises to not win a championship because we went against potentially one of the best teams ever. So if there's an opportunity there, if there was ever a window, the window's now. Giannis has been battling injuries in the East. The Nets have been battling bit injuries and just, you know, they're trying to figure shit out in the East. When we talk West, AD and LeBron. LeBron's going to be out at least three more weeks. AD is about to be reevaluated. I'm assuming he's going to be out for some time. The Clippers are always battling injuries and choke and loss to the Nuggets last year. So really, how could you not say the Jazz don't fucking have an opportunity? I'll fight you. No, I'm kidding. They probably won't win. Like, I'm already okay with it. But fuck, dude. If there was a window, now is the time. Now is the time. And good news for the NBA, though. Zero positive tests in the last COVID round. The NBA has been doing quite a good job with COVID. It's exciting to see. So you don't have your teams fucked by it. I already knew the Jazz had an advantage coming into this year, though, because Rudy Gobert shut the fucking world down with COVID, and I'm sure he spread it across the Jazz team. So they already had it. 
an athlete I doubt will highly, you know, highly doubt the opportunity of them getting it as much as they quarantine themselves. So I knew we want to have COVID issues this year. Some teams have. It is what it is. It's a short, condensed season. It's a fucking crazy season. But it's the Jazz's time, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news this morning, LaMarcus Aldridge retiring. Crazy that he went to the Nets and has a championship opportunity. He's going to retire. What does that mean? He's got some serious fucking probably health problems. He said it was an irregular heartbeat. He wants to take his health and family first. Absolutely, dude. You've made money. You've had a great career. You know, in Portland out here, they'll jizz all over you. But at the end of the day, it's like, dude, health or money or championship. You know, I would definitely like to try to get a championship. And, you know, he has to play and be a part of it because they need him. But at the end of the day, your health is very important. So sad news from Marcus Aldridge. And because of this short condensed season, people are really worried about players' health and burnout this year. Um, there's been a lot of injuries. We'll talk some of that. I, I'm not surprised. And, you know, on years like this, they put asterisks on it. But, dude, this is teams in these short seasons that are dealing things like the teams that won in the bubble last year. Like, you have to have very good mental games. So I think there's a whole different animal they have to handle versus a regular season. So I don't fucking put asterisks on these years. The team that wins this year is fucking tough, and they deserve it. So, yeah, people should be concerned. It's, it's tough on the players. They go hard. Funny story, uh, Alex, a- Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, uh, purchased uh, part of the Timberwolves franchise, and on social media, they interviewed Anthony Edwards asking about it, and he's like, who? I don't fucking know shit about baseball. Like, dude, you don't know who A-Rod is? I mean, he's with Jennifer Lopez, for Christ's sakes. I guarantee you he knows who Jennifer Lopez is. And actually, breaking news today, supposedly they're actually splitting up. They've been off and on. They've been engaged. Like, you know, yeah, at this point, where there's smoke, there's fire, they're probably, they're probably actually broken up. Um, I mean, A-Rod's been a cheater his whole life and cheated on her. So yeah, fuck him. Um, CP3 moving up the list in all-time career steals to five. What a fucking defeat. I mean, this guy keeps balling out. I got to watch him in Phoenix and he balled out. Um, yeah, excited for him and I'm sure he'll keep moving up. I don't ever think he'll pass John Stockton, but hey, it's uh, quite an accomplishment for Chris Paul. And then sad news, Jamal Murray tearing his ACL, which really ruins the Nuggets' chance at a championship, in my opinion. But I don't think they'll dramatically fall off. They have Monte Morris, who's coming back. Uh, he had been hurt or had COVID or something. Uh, I, I think he's a pretty quality player. Plus, um, they have Frank Capazu or Kampuzu, uh, who's gritty and grindy, and uh, they obviously enjoy him enough. And they have a lot of depth. They have guys like Marcus Howard. You give him a shot, you, you know, who knows? They have a lot of depth. They'll figure it out. They'll still be a tough dog in the fight. I just don't think they can be championship worthy without that awesome pick and roll between Joker and Jamal. But hey, Jokic is a fucking savage. He should probably get MVP. Uh, yeah, I'd put him front in MVP right now. And, you know, he could put the team on his back, so don't be surprised. Uh, we had talked about the importance of the Celtics season as they kept slipping down the ranking, uh, the standings. And Kemba Walker got getting hurt. Wasn't serious. He got back in the lineup this past week. The Pelicans decided not to re-sign Isaiah Thomas. Super bummed about that. They had some players come back. Obviously, they weren't impressed enough. Hopefully, that man gets another shot. Shout out, Isaiah Thomas. And then Victor Oladipo out for a while after gaining momentum with the Heat. He just got his mojo going on. The Heat needed as many wins as they can. Uh, Tough news for them. Hopefully, he can return before playoffs. And hopefully, they're not in the play-in after making it all the way to the NBA Finals last year. And James Wiseman also out of the year for the Warriors. Tough for them as they're, you know, playoff hopeful teams. Uh, they're sitting at nine right now in the play-in situation. They are, 
a couple games back, they played more games than Memphis because Memphis got fucked by COVID. Uh, who's in the eighth spot? And then they are three games out of Dallas of seven. So, yeah, I mean, they'll probably be in the play-in game. That's tough loss for them. Uh, Steph Curry, though, we'll get to it, has been on fucking fire. So, you know, who knows? He could put the team on his back, too. Let's talk what happened last week since the last podcast. A little bit more to cover since I'm, uh, I'm recording this later than normal. And then we'll talk what's coming up this week in NBA. So this past week in hoops, lots of different action, lots of close matchups. So I'm bringing up a lot of matchups because it's almost playoff time. A little sneak peek at the standings. If playoffs were to happen today, and I don't think these will change too, too, too dramatically, to be honest. We would have, well, there's a play-in game. So we'd have eight, nine, seven, eight, nine. We'd have Knicks versus Bulls in a one game playoff, I think. And then Hornets versus Pacers. And the winners of those to face uh, the, the winner of the Hornets and Bulls to face the Sixers. Winners of Knicks and Pacers to face the Nets. And then we would have Bucks versus Heat. What a fucking series that would be. Hawks versus Celtics, that would be a fun series as well, as the Celtics are now fifth after struggling, and they currently stand a game away from four and a ways out from Milwaukee. Um, so obviously they're battling for home court at this point, but that'd be some fun series. We'd have Dallas versus San Antonio to face the Jazz. We would have Memphis versus the Warriors to face the Suns. And then we'd have Clippers versus Blazers, that would be a blast. I mean, to be honest, the, the, the Blazers are getting Nurchik back. They've added some pieces like Norman Powell. Dame time could fuck up the Clippers, right? This could be the, the Nuggets all over again. And then we'd have Lakers-Nuggets first round. What a tough matchup that would be. But the, the big story here is that the Suns are only one and a half out from Utah. They've really been creeping up on them. Utah plays Phoenix in Phoenix after Phoenix beat Utah in Utah last week. Um, so yeah, some big games. Clippers looking pretty healthy. They got a three and a half advantage over the Nuggets. So yeah, I mean, I think these are pretty close to set in stone. So some pretty fucking good matchups coming up. But last Tuesday, I had filmed the pod Tuesday. Some games that happened on Tuesday. The Bulls beat the Pacers without De- uh, DeMontis Sabonis behind Nikola Vucevic's 32 points and 17 rebounds. He's really been putting up some nice stats in uh, Chicago like he never left Orlando. The talented Lori Markinen has been moved to the bench as well as Kobe White. You know, maybe some tough draft picks. The Bulls are, are, are potentially looking to move on from them. I hate to see that, though. Lori's tall, can shoot. I'm not too sure what's going on there. Um, they put Thad Young in the starting lineup. You know, Lori is playing some good bench minutes, but he should be a starter. Kobe White potentially could be a six-man, but he hasn't really flourished on the bench. Uh, so some tough transitions going to happen in the future for Chicago. The Hawks handled the Pelicans, Zion with 34 points, Trey Young with 30 points, 12 assists, and then the 76ers beat the Celtics as they keep taking L's, uh, and bid with 36 points, and uh, Tatum, Boston's leading score with 20, a tough game for them as Philly's defense looked to be too much. The Starless Lakers beat the Raptors without Lowry and uh, Fred Van Fleet, six Lakers in double digits. You know, the Lakers need everyone they can have until LeBron and AD are back, which looks like it's going to be quite a while, right before playoffs. And the Grizzlies beat the Heat as Dylan Brooks lead the Grizz with 28 points. He's really been turning on of late and shooting more efficient basketball. He's usually a guy that shoots 26 times to get 28 points. 
Um, and then Jimmy Butler had 28 as well. Tough loss for the Heat. You can't be losing those games. You got to win. They're sitting at six right now, and they are a, a half a game ahead of the Knicks, a two games ahead of two, uh, one game ahead of the Hornets. Um, the Hornets obviously uh, Lamella Ball potentially could return. They've had Gordon Hayward hurt, uh, so it's going to be a battle. But yeah, uh, Miami needs to figure their shit out. They're only a couple games away from Boston and the Hawks. Um, the Warriors come back late versus the Bucks on TNT. Without Giannis, uh, Drew Holiday with 29 points and Chris Middleton with 28. And then Steph was a monster, especially in the fourth quarter, ended up with 41 points. And the Clippers take down the Blazers as Paul George is hot as ever with 36 points. Kawhi with a nice 29. And Norman Powell, like I said, this is a big acquisition for him, 32 points. Moving to Wednesday, the Suns beat the Jazz. Boy, was I pissed. Mitchell had 41, losing efforts, not very efficient. And Devin Booker had 31, while CP3 had 29 and 9 with 9 assists. And the Suns, just like I said, continue to creep up on the Jazz. The Jazz better get their shit together. The Celtics get back in the win column over the Knicks. And Jalen Brown with 32 points, 10 rebounds. RJ Barrett was going 6 for 6 from 3 for 29 points. Good to see RJ Barrett getting his, his legs under him and doing well. And the Knicks are here, man. They're, they're not an easy win anymore. Uh, the Nets handle the Pelicans as Kyrie has 24. And Aldridge, the new acquisition at the time, at 22. Tough news for them. They could really use the depth that, that he provided. I'm sure this means more minutes for Blake Griffin. And the Grizz beat the Hawks. Grizz keep winning. Random guys leading them, too. Grayson Allen leading the team with a whopping 30 points. Interesting to see Allen out there shooting like that. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich led the Hawks with 24 points. He's really turned on since he's been healthy and returning to that Hawks starting lineup. And then the Mavericks with a head-scratching loss on Wednesday to the Rockets. The, the, the Mavericks were healthy, too. Porzingis and Doncic with 23 apiece. And John Wall taking off, baby. Still out there. 31 points while uh, Christian Wood had 22 and 10. Nice little double-double. And the Nuggets beat the Spurs while Jokic scored an easy 25-9-10, and 10, always around that triple-double mark. Uh, this was before Murray got hurt. Thursday, the Jazz defeated the Blazers to get back on track and create some separation from Phoenix. Mitchell staying hot as ever with 37 points, still not very efficient. Uh, the Bulls beat the Raptors, Vucicic and Levine with 22 apiece. And Chris Boucher, who's really stepped up for them with 38 and 19 inserted in the starting lineup with some injuries. And the Mavs beat out the Bucks as the Mavs duo of Porzingis and Doncic. What a fucking duo. Combined for 53 points. And if you remember like a month ago, people were saying Porzingis might get traded and he's really turning it on. Funny how the tables turn. Giannis still out in that game, though. And then the Clippers beat the Suns as Kawhi and PG combined for 60 points. Man, I, I think the Clippers are the scariest, as a Jazz fan, the scariest team to play right now. Could AD and LeBron return healthy and just be right in shape and everything be perfect? Absolutely. Um, but I still think the depth of the Clippers is the most scariest team. And yeah, I mean, Kawhi and PG getting hot at the right time. They've been, you know, had some uh, time management, load management, as you want to say. So it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. And then moving towards the weekend on Friday, the Knicks barely get by the Grizz. Grizz playing tough. The Knicks bench is clutch that game as Emmanuel quickly puts up 20. Derek Rose puts up 19. And my guy Alec Burks with 19. 
Alec Burks, ex-Jazz member, always wanted him to work out. He has the potential. Love to see him doing his thing in New York. And then John Morant had 26 points in that loss. Also on Friday, the Hawks beat the Bulls. Levine snaps, just straight snaps off for 50 points and 8 assists. He'll just randomly put up a 50-burger, no big deal. And Trey Young snapping himself with 42 points, 8 rebounds, and 9 assists. 8 rebounds for old, old Trey Young, not a, bad, not a bad game. And then the Hornets beat the Bucks, surprisingly without their stars. Jordan Nora, the rookie from Louisville, 24 points. Loved seeing Nora. I'm a big Louisville guy. I've always enjoyed Louisville. Um, all the way from Chris Siva, the year I picked him to win the tournament. They won the tournament. I won some money. Uh, but yeah, you know, Nora's had some bench minutes, but got a starting spot and took advantage of 24 points, even though they lost to the Hornets. Um, almost the ent- entire Hornets starting five with over 20. What a good performance by them. And then the Nuggets beat the Spurs again, but this time Joker got the triple-double. 26 points, 13 rebounds, 14 assists. Crazy that a big guy has the assist capability that he does. He just sees the court so well. And people just sleep on him. They're like, oh, he's too not athletic enough. And boom, he gets it done. And Derek White getting pretty warm here, leading the Spurs, trying to make a playoff charge with 25 points. The Spurs right now are in the 10th spot, two games ahead of the Pelicans to stay in the play-in. Uh, so, yeah, they definitely need to get their dubs, and Derek White seems to be taking over. And then the Wizards upset the Warriors as Rui Hichimara leads the team with 22 points, and Curry had 32. little shocked on that one, but the Wizards will beat the best teams of the league any given night. You have Bill. You have Westbrook step up. I don't even believe Bill was in this. Uh, Bradley Bill was in this matchup. Rui uh, was the leading scorer. Saturday, the Lakers beat the Nets as eight players score double digits. KD leads the Nets with 22 points. So they did have KD. They did have Kyrie. Still took the L. Like I said, these Lakers team got to figure out how to scrap some points together. And a lot of people are involved in this game. So good win for the Lakers. And then Sunday, the Celtics beat the Nuggets. Getting back on track. Tatum leads the Celtics with 28 points and 10 rebounds. And Michael Porter Jr. leading the Nuggets with 22 and 11. Good to see him do it. He's also starting to get more efficient. I'm all about efficiency. If you got a guy, I, I get, I say the Carmelo Anthony stats. You put up 30 points on 30 shots. Like you're an NBA professional, you should not be taking 30 shots to get 30 points. MPJ, that was one of the biggest concerns there. He's getting more efficient. Love to see it. Hate to see it if you're a Jazz fan. Um, you know, he was kind of the spur that really uh, that they thought really would would separate them this year was MPJ. The Knicks beat the Raptors. Julius Randle keeps rolling. 26 points, 8 rebounds. And Gary Trent with a nice 23, the guy who got traded for Norman Powell uh, from, from the Blazers. And then the Spurs still winning. Beat the Mavs. DeMar DeRozan, what a game. 33 points, 8 rebounds. And the Unicorn Porzingis with 31 points, 15 rebounds. And Doncic has 29, but it just wasn't enough. Very good game. I wish I would have saw that. Um, yeah, I was dead to the world on Sunday. The Pacers beat the Grizz as Karis LeVert gets hot, going for 34. Love to see it. And Jonas Valencia Yunus with 34 points, 22 rebounds. I did a week where I said he was an underrated player. People aren't giving him credit. He's lost a little weight. He's looking nimble. He's looking sharp. He's in like all my fantasy teams, and he's been a fucking animal, straight animal. I think you got to give him credit. Uh, for the Grizz, just as much as anyone. I know Jaws the guy there, but this guy just puts in every game. That, that was probably a quiet 34-22. People are like, oh, whatever. 
Um, and the Heat sneak by the Blazers, getting back in the win column. Bam leading the team with 22 points. They got to keep winning. Uh, Monday, the Wizards take down the Jazz. That was a fucking tough loss, um, even though Mitchell scores 42. Again, he's scoring 42, but he's taking probably like, I don't know, 36 shots, something of that nature. Uh, Westbrook had 25-14-14 with the triple-double, and Bill snapped for 34. Uh, when I went to uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix, whatever, um, Bill didn't get a play, so I was super bummed about that because he is a walking bucket and one of the, the, the leading scorers in points per game this year. Uh, the 76ers beat the Mavericks without Porzingis, and Embiid had twenty or 36 points and set on 17 shots. That's the type of shit right there. 36 points on 17 shots. I think the MVP race is a two-guy race between the Joker and Joel. Uh, what a big game for him as uh, they're able to whoop the Mavs. Uh, Doncic had a, a respectable 32. I mean, he's going to put up every single night. Their bench is just struggling outside of Jalen Brunson, who's, who's had a really good season. The Warriors beat the Nuggets as Chef Curry. He's cooking, man. He's hot as ever. 53 points in that game, and they beat the Nuggets, which is a big win. This was post-Jamal Murray news. Moving into the week, we had Tuesday. The Clippers beat the Pacers. Paul George continues to roll with 36.7 assists, 8 rebounds. That's scary if you're in the Western Conference. And Brogdon with 29 to lead the Pacers. Love me some Malcolm Brogdon. The Hawks edged out the Raptors. Bogdan Bogdanovich leading the Hawks again with 23 points. And Siakam had a very respectable 30 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. And then also on Tuesday, the Suns took down the Heat with 6 players in double digits. No one snapped, but everyone did their part. And Aiton led the team with 19 points and 13 rebounds. I saw him take advantage of the Wizards in Phoenix. Uh, pretty good ball player. Going to be interesting to see how his career shakes out. Moving on to Wednesday, the 76ers beat the Nets to take the number one in the East without KD. But Embed had 39 points and 13 rebounds, continuing to roll. While the Raptors beat the Spurs. Tough, tough game for both. I mean, the Raptors are in the 11th spot. Spurs in the 10th. Like, these teams got to get their shit figured out. It's playoff basketball as of now. Um, let's see. OG Anobi led the team with 29 points. Derek White continuing to roll with the 25-point game. And then the Knicks win another one, and Randall rolls again. 32 points, 8 rebounds, while Brandon Ingram and Zion combined for 53 points. And then the Mavs took down the Grizz in a very much needed win. Doncic had 29-9. and and then the Nuggets beat the Heat as they continue to slide. MPJ is continuing his efficiency. 25 points, 10 rebounds on 14 shots. Upcoming this week, Thursday tonight, the TNT doubleheaders. We got Bucks versus Hawks. Uh, supposedly Giannis had practiced on Tuesday and, and is probable for this game, uh, which is bad news for the Hawks. The Hawks are definitely you know wanting to, to keep their distance away from Boston. Great game for TNT. And then we have Celtics versus Lakers. Celtics should win this game. They're looking like they got some momentum, but they've been struggling. They're on fucking TNT, ABC, ESPN all the damn time. And the Lakers have been squeaking out some wins with their with their little team effort there. So uh, nice doubleheader on TNT tonight, even though I'm sure TNT wanted AD and LeBron. And then the Bucks game is a battle of number three and four in the East, like I said. Um, and also, don't forget, AD is being evaluated on Thursday, uh, which will be interesting to see today. will be interesting to see his timetable after LeBron supposedly out three weeks out, because that's right before playoff time. This Friday, heading to the weekend, 
Pacers versus Jazz, big big game for both playoff teams as Jazz try to keep separation from Phoenix, and the Pacers are trying to climb out of the nine spot. Uh, that'll be on NBA TV. Uh, Clippers versus 76ers, massive game here as their teams look to be healthy. That'll be on ESPN in a top dog battle, East versus West. Blazers versus Spurs, two teams climbing up in the West. Knicks versus Mavs on ESPN as both teams are looking to keep their positions, and that'll be a battle of 29-win teams. They, uh, they both pretty much have the same record. Will be interesting to see who takes that. I'll, I'll put my money on the Mavs. Saturday, the Lakers versus Jazz on ESPN. Obviously, the, the Jazz need to get all the wins. AD and LeBron, that would have been the, the more fun game. Still a good game on a, on a Saturday ESPN game. Warriors versus Celtics on ABC. That's going to be a fun one. I want to doubt with the defense Boston's put up that Chef, Chef Curry doesn't score over 50. If you're a prop better, put on Curry on that game. Uh, that'll be on ABC. And then the Grizzlies versus Bucks, Spurs versus Suns. And then moving into Sunday, we got Pacers versus Hawks, Pelicans versus Knicks on ESPN, and then Nets versus Heat on ESPN. I'm interested to see how the Heat respond this week. They've been taking some L's. Obviously, Oladipo being out. You know, I want to see playoff Jimmy. Jimmy's, he's always like plus 15 in the box, plus minus. He's a well-rounded player, but he's got to start shooting more. Like if they want to win, they got to shoot. They don't have enough shooters. They have one shooter, really Duncan. You could say maybe Tyler Harrow, but the rest of them are slashers. So uh, it's interesting to see how they do. You know, maybe the Nets have KD. Maybe they don't. Uh, you know, they're not going to have Harden. Maybe Kyrie's out for personal reasons. You never know what Nets team is going to show up. Uh, but that's a, that's a big game for those uh, teams on ESPN. And then Monday is Bulls versus, I mean, Real quick, that's scary that the fucking Nets are like right in the one and they like have people in, they have people out, they take some games seriously, they take some teams not seriously. That team's healthy rolling. Like, there's just no way anyone's going to stop them. Moving into the week right before the next business and buckets. Monday, we got Bulls versus Celtics, Warriors versus 76ers on ESPN, Spun, uh, Spuns, the Spuds, uh, Spurs versus Pacers. Again, both teams trying to stay relevant here in the, in the playoffs. Suns versus Bucks in two top dog battles. Uh, that should be a blast as Giannis should be there. I need those Bucks to get some Bucks to get the dub and uh, the Suns take some L's. When it comes to Jazz Suns, the Jazz have a very fucking easy schedule going out. They have like one road trip of three games, two against the Lakers, obviously without their stars, unless AD magically returns. And the, the Suns have some, some dogs like the Bucks on Monday. Uh, Grizzlies versus Nuggets. That's going to be a fun one. That'll be a grinded out game. Um, and then Jazz versus Lakers again on ESPN, the two, the two out of three days. Uh, Tuesday is Nets versus Pelicans and Blazers versus Clippers on the TNT doubleheader. Nets versus Pelicans, that's just must-see TV. Lots of talent, lots of scoring. And then Blazers versus Clippers, potential playoff matchup. Like I said, Dame time. Don't be surprised if the Blazers are around 10 points and, and, and Dame Dalla goes off. Um... And just out of curiosity, you're like, hey, Shane, how's that fantasy team doing? Doing well. I'm working on being the third team uh, in the standings before playoffs. And again, my guys, it's all about double-doubles in this league. So I got Jokic, Vujicic, and Valenciunas balling. And then Mitchell really putting the team on my back. So those are my guys. that They keep doing their things. Jokic, the playoff team. Vujicic, you know, the Bulls traded for him to try to make a push. Uh, Valenciunas is barely in the playoffs. They got to do well. And Donovan's trying to keep that one. So, you know, my top dog shouldn't have any issues of getting benched. You got a Carl Anthony Towns or someone like that. 
come playoff basketball, it fucks you. Uh, I've had LeBron and KD and those guys so many years, and you get into the semifinals of championship, and they're not even playing. You're like, great. You know, my team's been best all year, and I'm fucked. So um, excited that my guys are in the playoff contention. Let's talk baseball, baby. I've been loving me some baseball. I'm always watching the game. Uh, I got that MLB TV. I get to watch every Angels game. I'm loving it. The Angels are so much fun to watch. Probably the most fun. Whatever year they played the Yankees in the ALCS, it's probably the most fun team since then. So I'm really having a good time. Some big things happening. Carlos Rodon with a perfect, uh, with a no hitter. And Joe Musgrove, I was at a cigar lounge watching the end of that one. Both guys getting no hitters and both blowing the perfect game by a hit by pitch. Uh, Sucks that that takes away from, but hey, it's not a perfect game if no one, if someone's on base. Uh, but big accomplishments there. They talked about the baseball being a little bit dead. Um, supposedly there's less drag, more bounce. Um, but yeah, I mean we're getting no hitters early in the year, so you know it might be a thing. The Astros yesterday just randomly put half of their best players on the IL. Supposedly it's COVID related, but there's a COVID list, not an IL list. So some weird shit going on there. Um, you know, first came to mind was like, shit, are they going to trade a bunch of guys? But they had just signed Maldonado, uh, Martin Maldonado, their catcher, and he was one of them. Um, great for the Angels, though. Hopefully th- they, they take some L's because they're looking to be a deadly team and a favorite in the AL West. Yadier Molina, 2,000 games with the Cardinals. First catcher to do that, one single team. What a fucking legend. Still balling out. Still trying to get in fights. And this guy, if I could compare him, he's like Marquise Pouncey in football like, with a better resume. This guy is the definition of an MLB all-star catcher. The Angels and Brewers battling the injury bug. Um, Dexter Fowler tore his ACL. Rendon's hurt on the IL. Upton out with injuries. They're struggling. The Brewers have um, Christian Yelich out. A couple other players out. So we'll see how they do as their two teams, you know, potentially playoff teams. And how about my guy? I was super high on him last year, right, as he got into the team and then he got hurt. Yerman Mercedes, man, hitting 500 to lead the league, fucking crushing balls. Once he hits it, you know it's gone. Straight moonshots. Um, Wilson Ramos and Acuna Jr. leading the league with six homers apiece. And Jake McGee with the top amount of saves, six saves for the Giants. Pretty crazy to see him still closing and doing well with the Giants. Some series that happened last week that we had hyped up. The Red Sox, after a horrible start, well, I have no, we're not talking series yet. Just a little insight. Horrible start, right? They got swept by the Orioles, made the Orioles look good for a second. They're nine and three since. Dodgers, ten and two. Giants, eight and four. You know, I, I talked about in my preseason predictions the Giants are just one of those teams you never know. It's hella fucking early. But we knew the Dodgers were gonna win. I have them as a repeat. They have way too many fucking good players. And I didn't have much expectation from the Red Sox, but I think they played the Orioles six times, so I mean they were three and three, but nine and three, very impressive. Now let's talk series that happened last weekend. Angels take down the Blue Jays in their series, uh, three to one. Otani, Trout, and Walsh middle of the lineup. Otani two, uh, Trout three, and Walsh four, beating teams up. Especially once the the relievers come in, they've been really kicking ass. Awesome to see. Battling the injury bug though. Red Sox getting revenge on the Orioles, as we talked about. I had talked about in the season. My quote was in my preseason predictions, you know, Orioles did good last year. They made the playoff in the short season, whatever. Last year didn't really count in baseball, in my opinion. Um, But 
my quote was Orioles pitching. Yeah. What the fuck? And then they swept the Red Sox. They're looking all good. I was like, oh shit. Uh, but yeah, the Orioles pitching doesn't hold up in this one as they give up 20 runs in three games. Uh, the Rays beat the Yankees 2-1 in their divisional series. Big win for the Rays. They always fucking find a way to win. I just don't get it. And then the Dodgers beating the Nationals 2-1 on Sunday. Kershaw won the matchup against Mr. Max Scherzer. Fun little battle there. The Braves take down the Phillies 2-1 in that tough NL East battle. That division is going to be a blast all season. And they had an awesome battle on Sunday Night Baseball, which I did not make because I was still partying on my vacation and then was dead to the world on Monday. Athletics get revenge versus the Astros, taking the series 2-1. Uh, the Astros had swept them to start the season. And then the and this was before their players hit that list, the Astros players. The White Sox and Royals split their series 1-1. They had a flex to postpone games, uh, but two teams that are looking like playoff contenders. And then the Mariners, shockingly, beating the Twins 2-1. Uh, they also lose James Paxton, who just came back, to Tommy John. What a bummer for them. And then the Brewers beat the Cardinals 2-1 in their series. Again, playoff hopeful teams here. And talking this weekend and some interesting uh, weekend series, we have Twins versus Angels, a two potential wildcard battling teams. Cardinals versus Phillies, also two potential wildcard battling teams. Rays versus Yankees that just happened. See if Yankees can get revenge in their divisional battle. Uh, White Sox versus Red Sox. Royals versus Blue Jays, two teams that are really on the up this year. Dodgers versus Padres, which is probably the most anticipated games. These two teams went ham in the offseason uh, to, to build championship teams. This is going to be must-see TV. Um, hope, you know, Tatis Jr. is out, which is definitely a bummer. Blake Snell looked like shit in his last outing, couldn't even go an inning. Um, so I'm sure the Dodgers will do work, and the Padres will see that they made all these moves maybe a little too early and could potentially affect their franchise. Uh, Braves versus Cubs, which is a series hosting the Sunday night baseball game. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, lots of baseball coming up. Like I said, I went to Diamondbacks and Reds on Sunday. Uh, a pitcher I really do like, Luke Weaver pitching, had a no-no through six and a third innings. Uh, so that was really cool to see. And then, like I said, I went to the Suns game on Saturday. Sadly, Bill didn't play, but I got to watch Jay Crowder hitting threes, CP3 do his thing, and watch Devin Booker just be a walking bucket. And before we wrap, let's talk Supercross because it's been a couple weeks and it's back. Um, we had a race on Saturday and a race on Tuesday, and then the next race is on Saturday. As we know in the break, it looked a little scary if you're a Honda fan or a, a Kawasaki fan with Tomac. Uh, Cooper Webb's just taken over. So they're back in. In the 250 class, Nate Thrasher took the show on Saturday, getting the dub. Justin Cooper, the points leader in second. Cameron McAdoo, another points guy, finishing third. And then Hunter Lawrence, another guy up in the points for Team Honda with a seventh place finish. In the 450 class, it was basically Sexton the whole way, and Tomac sold the show. Um, you know, they're showing that they could race. I love that these guys want to come in here and fuck shit up as it's toward the end of the year. Um, you know, Sexton's a rookie for Team Honda, so he's just trying to figure it out. But um, it sucks that Tomac stole the show from him. Regardless, big win for Tomac, getting first, Sexton second, Webb the points leader in third, which, where was Roxon? Well, Jason Anderson, he's been really on his game lately and more consistent with the fourth-place finish. Back-to-back uh, -back rookies, both having phenomenal years. Dylan Frandis, fifth. Aaron Plessinger, sixth. And then Marvin Muscan, seventh. Ken Roxon. Horrible start in this race with a ninth-place finish. 
Uh, Justin Barsha, 10th, and Malcolm Stewart just been slipping of late with an 11th place finish. That makes points interesting. So then we come to Tuesday. Things get more interesting. In the 250, the race had a restart because Cameron McAdoo literally flipped over his bike before their big kicker and got stuck in his peg. So he gets thrown around like a ragdoll. I'm like, damn, this guy is fucked up. They restart the fight. The motherfucker comes back out and races like savage, like ultimate savagery. The guy could barely fucking walk. He's out there racing. What the fuck happens? I'm like, there's no way he finishes. Third place finish. What a fucking beast. Shout out McAdoo. Uh, but Cooper, the points leader first. My guy Hunter with the second place finish. Uh, McAdoo third. And March Banks, who's pretty high in the standings, with the fifth place finish. So that puts Cooper at first with 157 points. McAdoo nine away, which is basically three positions. Um, and second with 148. And then Hunter Lawrence in third with 141. So he, he's right there in the mix as well. It's going to be a tight finish. We have that whole other 250 class that I'm trying to figure out how these two intervene. Maybe they, after Atlanta, all race in Salt Lake or the top performers. I'm not sure. Uh, but that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Even in this race here, it's pretty tight. That's what you want to see. The races are fun when it's tight, not when someone's already won the championship. Um, which, you know, after Saturday's 450, is like, great. Fucking just ride it up for Webb. Boy, did Ken Roxton need a big race after that sh that shitty start. And it's still in Atlanta. So I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? Well, he showed up. He showed up. He had a killer mindset and fucking did work. He took the whole shot. Cooper Webb's right by him. I'm like, oh, shit. It's going to be a one-two battle. You get three points on a first-place finish over second place. That's not enough. You're, you're quite a few points down. Well, Webb just starts slipping. He starts slipping. He falls back to, let's see, at the time, this would be... Anderson Tomac. He slips to fifth. Barsha's in sixth. Or, yeah, fourth. And he just can't pass him. Barsha's like, fuck you, dude. Barsha's a tough guy to pass. I call him Bam Bam for a reason. He couldn't get the job done, and he ended up slipping back another spot um, as Tomac passed him at the end. Best news in the world for Roxon. Roxon with the first place finish. His team Honda won two punch with the second which also Hunter Lawrence got second, so they went 1-2-2. Two, two. What a good day for Honda. And then Anderson really riding strong, hitting the podium with a third-place finish. Barsha fourth, Tomac five, baby, Webb six. So best-case scenario if you're Camp Rocks and Team Honda. Muskan with the seventh, um, rookie Plessinger eighth, and Dean Wilson ninth. Three laces, races left, ladies and gentlemen. Very interesting I had just came back from Scottsdale. I had ideas to go to Salt Lake to catch a jazz game and races. And oh boy, would that be a blast with how tight this shit's going. Um, it's going to be a fun finish. The way the standings is are right now, Webb first with 313. That's 13 points ahead of Roxon at 300 and second. And then Tomac a little ways back at 278. Barsha fourth with 246. So it's really the Ken and, and Webb show. Uh, we got... You know, race this Saturday, then two Saturday races left in Salt Lake City. We are nearing the finish line, and I fucking love it. Quickly, two little segments I like to do. The non-story story. What does that mean? Well, this isn't big news, but for me is big news. Again, Yerman Mercedes, two 485-foot home runs. I mean, this is a big dude. This is like Sabathia when he was big, and when he fucking swings, it is gone, ladies and gentlemen. 
this is going to be a fun player to watch. Uh, you know, those Dominican, Cuban, I'm not sure what he is, players that come to the MLB, they're a lot of fun when they crush balls, and I'm really enjoying this guy on my fantasy team. And he's a utility position. I can only play him utility, which usually fucks your lineup. But when he's hoop balling like that, you got to put him on the team. Um, and then I, I tuned into I Am an Athlete podcast finally. They had a Dwayne Wade one. I had to watch it. Watch that and a couple others. I'm loving that podcast, man. And that's what it's all about. Like seeing those guys talk, talk deep and talk real shit. That's what my idea of the business sides of business of buckets would be, was going to be. I'm having more interviews, putting more people on. I'm excited to see what it grows into and excited for you guys to be a part of it. If you're looking to grow people, helping people, you're looking to learn from other people's experiences. The business episodes are where it's at, you know, shameless plug. Um, and then I usually do best sports take of the week. This is worst sports take of the week. Colin Coward, come on, man. He's saying Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. Just not going to happen. I couldn't believe that he said that. Like I said, his stats are, are similar to um, Emmanuel Sanders, who I love. But, like, come on. Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne aren't in. How are you getting them in? That's it. Episode 18. Don't forget Fueled Supplements. I talked about the knockouts, knocked out supplement. Sleep's important. You know, if you're struggling, give it a shot. Fueledsupplements.com. Promotion code buckets for 20% off. See you guys next week, and we also have Percy the Barber coming on.